Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, friends and neighbors. We welcome you to the Bill Press Pod, to this week's roundtable, and a chance to look back at the big news of the week with three of Washington's top political reporters. We gather round the table this morning, this Friday morning, October 23rd, still reeling from last night's second presidential debate, where the rules were changed and mics were muted because President Trump behaved so badly in the first one. For the most part, this second debate was more civil, but did either candidate score on any issues? And with only 10 days to go, did anything happen to change the course of this campaign? At least last night's debate went better than Trump's interview earlier in the week with 60 Minutes, which got so uncomfortable for Donald Trump that he got up and walked out. On other fronts, Senate Republicans sent Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the floor for a vote Monday. Mitch McConnell apparently killed any chance of a vote on the stimulus before November 3rd, a second stimulus. And Rudy Giuliani made his Hollywood debut as star of a new Borat movie. Here to sort it all out, Addie Baird, national political reporter for BuzzFeed. Jason Hi, Dick. Phil. Hi, Addie. Jason Dick, deputy editor for Roll Call. Morning. And joining us for his debut on the uh, Bill Press Pod, Jeff Tufor, editor-in-chief of the National Journal. Hi, Jeff. Good to have you with us. Good morning, Bill. Thanks. All right. So uh, we won't start with Rudy Giuliani's uh, Borat movie. (laughs) But uh, let's start with last night's debate for sure. There is so much to unpack there. Uh, Each of you, what what was your kind of general takeaway impression from the debate? Addy, start us off. You know, this might sound crazy, but I didn't think it was that bad. Um, <laughs> in, I will say, in, in, oh, these, in these days, that's the most positive thing maybe that anybody can think of saying, right? It's the most positive thing I can think of saying. I will say Kristen Welker was incredible. That was Amen. maybe the best moderated debate that I have ever seen Trump in. She did an incredible job of fact checking without letting it be, um, you know, taking too much time or seeming over the top. She really seemed like she handled both of these candidates. It was really an impressively moderated debate. And for that reason, I think it really, like I said, wasn't all that bad. Um, I think having the, the mics muted was helpful. There were moments where it felt like that was maybe a myth. But um, I thought that it was definitely uh, less shouty and hard on the ears than the first debate um, and, and very well moderated. How about it, Jason? Uh, you know, I, I 
pretty much second what Addy is saying. I I I did not have very high expectations for <laughs> for a uh, you know sort of. Uh, some sort of dignified uh, display <laughs> of political philosophies and so forth. Um, but it, it wasn't the, the sort of train wreck uh, that, that I think that a lot of people were wondering about. I mean, when, when people are speculating, will he or won't he listen to his political advisors as, as the game, speaking about Trump, speaking of the president, um, I mean, we're, we've sort of reached a point where our, our, expectations are so low that it's not that hard to to you know get over the bar uh with that being said i mean the 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 way that each you know each candidate handled it was fairly well i mean this is like i mean they were barbed at times but they sort of they were able to stay on task and i think largely because of of kristen walker as, as addy said uh and you know, it, it doesn't mean that I didn't have a headache at the end of it. Maybe a few belts of bourbon, <laughs> but um, but in, in general, like I, mean, I don't know if it's changed anybody's mind, but it was the it was the 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 thing that we have come to sort of expect from previous campaigns, where you know, like there's a back and forth, and, mm-hmm. and there's you know either a draw or a win or a loss. Yeah, uh, Jeff, how do you unpack it? Uh, I think paradoxically, the the format change that was necessitated by Trump's own behavior last time might have helped him a little bit. Uh, Good the, point. That yeah. threat of the of the mute button hanging over him, and maybe, <laughs> and maybe his own his own television sensibilities. Uh, I, I think as a former producer, he maybe knew that he didn't come off that well in the last debate. But if you had if you'd beamed in here from 1992, this thing would have seemed recognizable as a presidential debate. You'd, you'd probably be surprised to see Donald Trump on the stage, but it would at least look like a presidential debate. Uh, so that was a victory. Uh, again, clearing a very, a, a very low bar. I can still, for instance, this morning, tick off the topics they discussed, coronavirus, immigration, right. health, foreign policy. <laughs> I, I literally have no recollection at all what topics they discussed in what order during the last debate. Yeah. Um, by the way, none, I noticed that none of you mentioned the biggest mystery for me, and I'm still trying to figure it out, are buildings with no windows or tiny, oh tiny, <laughs> or, or tiny, tiny windows. Um, can Bill, anybody I'm explain that? I'm obsessed with this. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. It doesn't mean anything, but it has... A- I tweeted this last night. It has the same energy as his thing where he, he randomly will be like, there's no water coming out of the shower heads. And you're like, what? Like, what the hell? And you have to flush the toilet several times, 15 yes. times. <laughs> and, yes. the, and if the wind doesn't blow, your TV won't come on. No. <laughs> right. Actually, my, my favorite part, because it was, it was the, the, the windows thing was in the context of talking about climate change and the Green yeah, New Deal and right. so forth. Uh, but my favorite part of that whole exchange was when they were talking about wind and and he said that the wind like actually creates emissions yes <laughs> i was like right i mean granted like you can't really think too seriously you can't really try to unpack some of this stuff because it's pointless like to, uh, for a sane person to to try to you, do something that is so crazy but it's just like that was so great and and you know the sad thing is somebody probably believes it out there but you know <laughs> uh well let's talk about some of the issues they started off with uh, c- coronavirus uh where donald trump said again we're turning the corner and um we're learning to 
but live with it. Um, who won that one, Jeff? Uh, I thought that was a, a clear Biden win coming out of the gate. Uh, Trump said, I, someone last night in, in the course of all the fact checking said that he said, I think, 38 or 39 times so far uh, that we're turning the corner or it's going to go away. And he trotted that out again last night at a time where the headlines are splashed everywhere that cases are spiking all over the country again. This was it was not the time for, for that message. There uh, were that, over that, sorry, over a thousand people died yesterday. Of, yeah, uh, I think it was I think it was eleven hundred on, on, on Thursday died. Uh, so we're, we're back up to up to summer levels. Uh, so I thought right out of the gate that was uh, that was a, a point to Biden. Health and also, was, oh, I just want to say, too, that yeah. like Biden's re- direct response to that is like that we're not learning to live with it. We're learning to die with it. I, I mean, that, that, that may have been a rehearsed right. line. But boy, that landed like, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, I sort of, you know, was like, whoa. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a stark kind of line. And it's also indicative of kind of where we're at, where we are learning just to we are learning to like process the, how many deaths are going on. Right. Uh, healthcare, of course, was another big issue. And uh, uh, President Trump made the point that, um, well, for Joe Biden, no matter what he says, it's the Bernie Sanders plan, it's socialized medicine, uh, and it's AOC plus three. They're going to they're gonna be the ones that be the rule. Uh, Joe Biden flashes back on, um, hey, man, who do you think you're running against? Here he is. When he says public option, he's talking about socialized medicine and when he and and healthcare. When he talks about a public option, he's talking about destroying your Medicare, totally destroyed, and destroying your Social Security. And this whole country will come down. You know, Bernie Sanders tried it in his state. Okay, it, let's hear it was let's let Vice President Biden to work. respond. It doesn't Vice work. President he's Biden a very confused guy. He thinks he's running against somebody else. He's running against Joe Biden. I beat all those other people because I disagreed with them. Addy, he's running I mean, against me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't even quite know what to say about this because it's so ridiculous on its face, you know? Like, it, it, Joe Biden is not Bernie Sanders. And I will tell you, as a 25-year-old with a lot of uh, lefty friends, they would love if he were. But, like, he's... He is hard. They, they, they shouldn't even be in the same political party. This is like part of the problem. Trump also said that Kamala Harris was further left than Bernie Sanders. And it's yeah. just one of those moments where you're like, these people live in a different universe than we do. Right. Um, another issue, of course, uh, just going quickly through this, the Black Lives Matter movement. And they got back and forth into what different people had said. Um the president again claiming that he had done more for uh, African-Americans in this country than anybody with the possible, I underline, possible exception of uh, Abraham Lincoln. So, uh, Jason, the president or the vice president came back um, talking about some of the racist comments that Donald Trump has made. Here's a little clip. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire. Every single one. He started off his campaign coming down the escalator saying he's going to get rid of those Mexican rapists. He's banned Muslims because they're Muslims. He has moved around and made everything worse across the board. Come on. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. Jason, maybe another rehearsed line, but... um... Pretty good one. Yeah, and and I think that 
I mean, I, I was sort of surprised that that Trump didn't come back with some of the law and order stuff uh, at, at this point. I mean, I think that you know Biden huh, was, was able, right. yeah, Biden was able to land um, a, a blow uh, here. I mean, the uh, maybe we just sort of take it for granted, like where where the president is with the Proud Boys, which and that was that was a muffed line that that Biden had uh, at one point in the debate, calling them the Poor Boys, uh, which led to a lot of. Uh, um, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody memes, I'm sure. Oh, I was um, thinking, I was thinking Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> just oh, just me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of classic rock going yeah. on here. <laughs> um, Lost but, me. But um, you know, I mean, this this was. Um, I I I was a little surprised. I wasn't surprised that Biden was reminding people of of the racist comments and the and the racism. I was surprised that that Trump just sort of took it. <laughs> Right. Maybe he's just like, well, that's just who I am, you know, because he usually <laughs> is able to to bring it back to the the law and order theme, which you know may have or may or may not have an effect. I don't know, but it, it was it was interesting that he didn't try to um, to to you know go back with that because that yeah. had seemed to be this consistent theme for a while there. Yeah. So Jeff, I thought one of the most striking moments of the of the debate actually came at the very end. Uh, uh, I mean, we've talked about what a great job Kristen Walker did, and I thought her very last question: "This is your okay. You've won, right? This is your inaugural speech. What do you tell the American people?" You know, Donald Trump just rambled on and attacked Joe Biden, and he's going to create a great recession, and the economy is going to go to in the, in the toilet. Uh, which I thought was a strange use of his time, his 60 seconds, Joe Biden looked right at the camera and, in effect, gave uh, his inaugural address. Uh, here he is. I will say I'm an American president. I represent all of you, whether you voted for me or against me. And I'm going to make sure that you're represented. I'm going to give you hope. We're going to move. We're going to choose science over fiction. We're going to choose hope over fear. We're going to choose to move forward because we have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make things better. We can grow this economy. We can deal with the systemic racism. And at the same time, we can make sure that our economy is being run and moved and motivated by clean energy, creating millions of new jobs. And that's the fact. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to say, as I said at the beginning, what is on the ballot here is the character of this country, decency, honor, respect, treating people with dignity, making sure that everyone has an even chance. And I'm going to make sure you get that. You haven't been getting it the last four years. Jeff? That's the kind of closing statement, again, that we've come to expect in, in debates. It was, right, right. It was recognizable. It's the last <laughs> chance he's going to have to speak to the entire American population at once between now and November 3rd. And he took advantage of it. Trump really has a problem with this because not only can he not articulate what he wants to do in a second term, he has trouble articulating even why he wanted to be president in the first place in the first term. Uh, he's had chance after chance after chance. Why do you think you should be reelected? Well, we've done a great job. That's all he says over mm -hmm. and over. We've done a great job. Uh, he offers nothing else. Uh, he should have three bullet points, and he can't, he can't recall even that much. We've done a great job. We're going to have a great plan. It's going to be a beautiful plan. Uh, that was one of Trump's weakest moments, in fact, in, uh, in health care. 
mm-hmm. not only in the 60 Minutes debate, but last night when he gets called out on healthcare, he says, oh, you wait. This is going to be a beautiful plan. It's going to be big. It's going to be like nothing anybody's ever seen. Well, what is it? Don't worry about it. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, and Addie, in fact, we've heard that plan is coming for, what, five years now? Yes. <clears throat> The plan has been coming every two weeks for five years. It's like that episode of of 30 Rock that's like, you know, it, the pilot says that the plane will always be leaving in 20 minutes because 20 <laughs> minutes is long enough for people to like know they have to wait, but short enough to not <clears throat> be mad about how long they have to wait. That's how this healthcare plan feels. It's always two weeks away. Right. You guys, you guys, I think I figured it out. The healthcare plan is being audited. like his his tax returns (laughs) as soon as the audit is over we'll get the health care plan along with the tax returns what's funny about this administration i feel like is it feels like the last four years have been a thousand years obviously but in a lot of ways it's like time is a flat circle like the health care plan is always coming the tax returns are always (laughs) under audit and he really wants to release them it's always infrastructure week (laughs) uh and you know the other thing is there was i'm sure the people who were the busiest people last night were the fact checkers um i don't know i haven't seen a count yet of how many just outright lies that Donald Trump told last night, you know, that Joe Biden's the one who said super predators, right? That uh, um, that Joe Biden is against frack, all fracking, uh, that um, Barack Obama predicted we're going to have a nuclear war with North Korea. I mean, it went on and on and on. Um, I, I guess, Jeff, we're just used to hearing them. So people, <laughs> they just roll off people by now. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think the, the or we're rounding the corner that one again. Uh, yeah, I think the I think the falsehood count was somewhere around fifty, and <laughs> and, and Biden had a had a handful. Oh yeah, him, himself, uh, and and truth be told, Biden stumbled over his words uh, several times. He didn't have mm-hmm. Trump. He, Trump wasn't interrupting Biden, but Biden interrupted Biden uh, more than more than a couple times. Um, I, I thought. Trump scored a couple points on the on the 94 crime bill uh, when they got mm-hmm. into the issue of race. Uh, and he kept going back to Biden being a career politician and not getting a lot of the things done that he wants to do, that he claims to want to do now. Uh, that's an effective attack line. The problem is it's more effective for Trump when Trump is an outsider uh, claiming to run against the politicians versus having been the top politician in the country for four years now. Yeah, uh, he, he, he can't take that in, uh, that outsider mantle anymore. Right. Uh, but but when Biden gets bogged down in those details, he, he tends to lose people. He has a hard time articulating exactly uh, what his plan is going to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know about you, but I had a hard time. I'm plugged into this stuff and I had a hard time following what Biden was saying on health care and what exactly his plan was going to do, much less uh, somebody who was sitting in their living room just turning tuning into this the first time. Yeah, Jeff, a little... I just, Go I just ahead, wanted Andy. To, I just wanted to add on to that. I think one in particular point where I totally felt that way, Jeff, was when he was talking about a public option. The way yeah. that yeah. Biden described right. a public option was incomprehensible. It was, it was really. not yeah. even really a public yeah. option at all. And, and I thought that that was really too bad because yeah. I think for so many people, a public option, which is the ability to buy into Medicare, uh, 
right. or, or Medicaid, whichever, you could basically have a, a way of stabilizing the, and that's kind of, I think what Biden was trying to say was that like it would st- provide competition to help stabilize the, the ACA market. But like, it was not a good way to describe it. And it was super confusing. No, he made it one, he, at one point. He made it sound like it was only for people on Medicaid. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is such a such I think a powerful and such a simple concept, uh, and and but not the way Joe Biden described it last night. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell mm-hmm. what the hell he was talking about. So, Jason, the other big media moment of the week, of course, was at, well yet to come for the most part, was the uh, 60 minute uh, interviews with each of the presidential and vice presidential candidates, all to be aired on Sunday night, except. We've already had the sneak preview of the Donald Trump interview with Leslie Stahl, which he was not happy with. That did not end on a good note when someone suggested that it was now just a a short of the time for Mike Pence to join him. The president says, I've had enough, gets up and walks out. Here's that little uh, tense moment with Leslie Stahl. The lesson you started with me, your first statement was... Are you ready for tough questions? It's no way to talk. No way to talk. Uh, this is the first warning I think we have five minutes until we have the vice president seven. Is that about right? Well, I think we have enough. It really, we have enough. I think we have enough of an interview here. Okay, that's enough. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, Jason, I think we have enough. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I look at... It, it's hard for me not to, to think, you know, you know, Jeff mentioned the president's time in, in television um, and, you know, the, what happens, I think, with a lot of people in entertainment is particularly as they age, particularly as they run out of ideas, is they just kind of go back to the same thing that's worked before. Uh, he loves to attack the press. He thinks that it's it, you know, fires up his uh, his his folks. He also, you know, doesn't like <laughs> doesn't like uh, some some of the people who are interviewing him. Um, I mean, the, the the dislike seemed to be genuine with Leslie Stahl. Um, you know, he's not always you know mean to people, uh, particularly in the White House core, but you know, press core. But it just seemed like you know that he's just going to the well again. This is like the tenth sequel, uh, and at a certain point, people just start to tune it out and. You know, I when he released like the whole, yeah. you know, part of it on on Facebook and so forth, then it was just like, uh, you know, that's just it's just not that interesting. Um, I mean, it, most people what? just don't they they're not they, they're not going to sit for an hour to watch you know this unfiltered. I mean, it's almost like an avant garde, you know, <laughs> like production, you know, like this Warhol like thing of like just images and him back and forth. It's just like ugh. I mean, who's who is really he's who's he trying to reach here? But uh, yeah, I don't get what he gained by releasing this thing early, um, other than making himself feel good, I guess. Addie, who's that appeal to, right? I, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I'm with you, Bill. I don't, I don't know. And what I think is kind of odd, and and this is something that Trump tends to do often. Honestly, I never would have thought for a minute about this interview. Really, I just I, again like. <laughs> I I just wouldn't. And the fact that Trump has now made it such an ordeal, he's tweeting like, you know, clips from it. He's tweeting about it constantly. He's walking out of it. Now I'm like, well, I got to watch this interview. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Jeff, the the real question about the debate is, did it change? Okay. 47 million people have already voted, right? Yeah. Um, 
Did it change any the direction of this campaign, do you believe, in any way? No. I think the numbers have been baked in for so long. The contours of this race have been so set for so long uh, that the most important number I like to cite when, when, when people ask me this and, and, and why it's different from 2016, I think is that at this time in 2016, there were 15% of voters who said they were either voting third party or they were undecided. Right now, that number is about 6%. Uh, it's about 3% third party, and depending on the poll, 3 or 4% undecided. I mean, there's just nobody left to persuade. Mm -hmm. um, with with some of these uh, news developments that come out, the debate, 60 Minutes interview, maybe if Trump does well, he can recapture one or two points worth of, of soft Trump supporters, uh, people who aren't whole hog, ride or die in his camp, but sort of held their nose and voted for him last time and might do it again. Uh, it's really around the margins. Uh, there, there's just not a lot of people left uh, that, that can be persuaded at this point or, or that haven't voted. Well, right. And the other, the other part of that is like, I kind of, I kind of forgot about impeachment and it suddenly remembered it last <laughs> night. Um, and I mention it only because the polls haven't really even moved since before impeachment. People have well, known for months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and, and it, it's just it is this thing of, of you know, we we just kind of have to get through this to Election Day. But it does it doesn't seem like anyone is really on the fence. I mean, the, the Post even did the Washington Post did this story, I think, about, you know, the the, the undecideds. And they, they talked to yeah. Ken Bone and and this sort of like weird they're, they're almost like these these creatures out in the wild, you know, that you have to find mm -hmm. now. <laughs> You got to go really hunt for them for sure. There's um, the, the Trump's approval rating right when coronavirus hit uh, March, April 20, uh, sorry, uh, February 29th, March 1st, right about the time the first official death was reported in the United States. His 538 average in approval was, I think, 43.4. Right now, it's 43.6, 215,000 <laughs> deaths later. It's like nothing yeah. has ever moved in this race. Wow. So this is the time with the 10, 10, 10 days left, right, when um, both candidates typically would have uh, honed their message. They got the winning message. They just ride it through to the end. Uh, I must admit, at this point, I have no idea what, and Jeff, you alluded to this a little earlier, what Donald Trump's campaign message is. Um, I think it's pretty clear what Joe Biden's is. It's been COVID, 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 really, from the beginning. Um, and here is an ad that, it, uh, that the, the Biden campaign ran during the World Series, which I think says a lot about where his campaign stands today. There's only one America, no democratic rivers, no Republican mountains, just this great land and all that's possible on it with a fresh start. There is so much we can do if we choose to take on problems and not each other. Joe Biden doesn't need everyone in this country to always agree, just to agree we all love this country. 
Jason. <laughs> I, I was. That sounds expecting... like it's all over, right? Yeah, yeah. It 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 does. I mean, like they're. I wouldn't say that they're measuring the drapes, but I think that they're starting to. This is a, um, you know, as, as Jeff, would say, you know, has, has said a couple times. This is a recognizable moment, right? I mean, this is this is this looks like a normal campaign, and this is a campaign that looks like it is, you know, be, you know, in the home stretch and knows that they've got. They just can't, they don't need to screw anything up, you know, like, and they just need mm-hmm. to kind of like stay in this lane. Um, it is a little uh, sappy, you know, I mean, I, I almost, in my, my cynical mind was really hoping <laughs> that we'd just go straight into the, the voiceover for the big Lebowski because it's, you know, it's got the Sam Elliott type <laughs> voice. I don't think, that, I don't know if that is Sam no, Elliott. That, that, it is Sam Elliott. Absolutely. It is Sam Elliott. <laughs> yeah. We got to clean up this town. God damn it. <laughs> Sam Elliott. One of the hot, so, one of the hottest voices in Hollywood. I'm just putting it out there. So you know, so we've got like I said, I, I was I was kind of hoping for the stranger and the big Lebowski, you know, like to, to break in. But that's also Biden. I mean, Biden is yeah. corny. You know, he says malarkey, yeah. you know, and things like that. I mean, like that's his appeal is that he's he's Uncle Joe, and that I think is one of the things too that Trump has never been able to sort of define him. He's tried Sleepy Joe and now Corrupt Joe and all this kind of stuff, but like you know biden's a known brand and the known brand is he's he's kind of a he's he's the the guy who's not gonna like light the country on fire yeah uh so we gotta take a quick break but before we do i just uh can anybody explain i learned something last night i was i almost fell off my chair uh twice donald trump told us that Republicans are going to take back the House of Representatives this year. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Jeff, did you see that coming? Uh, No, I didn't. Nor do I see coming the Republicans taking back the House of Representatives. Uh, They are they they should be really well positioned because, remember, uh, Democrats won back a lot of districts where Trump won in 2016. And in a normal political year, Republicans should be primed to claw back a lot of those seats. In yeah. fact, uh, the, the latest projections is that they're probably going to lose five to ten seats yet again. Yet again. Right. No, I thought the that last... was... Addie? I was just going to say, that this is this is really interesting to me. The last time that a House majority flipped two elections in a row, obviously the House majority flipped in 2018, was 1954. And the last time that it flipped in a presidential year was two years earlier in 1952. This is... You, you know, everything else in the world going on, this is just really, really, really uncommon, even, you know, for, for that for the House majority to flip in, in a presidential year or twice in a row. Okay, Eddie Baird and Jason Dick and Jeff Dufer. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, a couple of other issues to touch on and then get your favorite stories of the week here on the Bill Press Pod. Today's roundtable is brought to you by the Smart Union, Uh, those unions that all got together, sheet metal, air, rail, and transportation workers, over 200,000 strong. Uh, The good men and women of the Smart Union, those who build and move America under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers. We salute them, thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. 
Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with today's roundtable. Jason Dick joining us from a Roll Call, Addie Baird from BuzzFeed, and Jeff Dufour from the National Journal. Um, just a little lightning round of things. Uh, uh, Jeff, there's not going to be a stimulus package, it looks like, right? No, I, I would guess not. And again, I would lay this at the feet of Trump's lack of leadership. Uh, McConnell and the Senate Republicans seem disinclined to do this when uh, Pelosi and Mnuchin seem inclined to do it. Uh, Trump himself has said uh, a couple times that he wants a big number uh, akin to Pelosi's big number. So if that's what he wants and that's what Pelosi wants, it's unclear to me why he doesn't bring McConnell over to the White House and say, hey, look, we're in election year. This could help me. This could help your vulnerable senators. Let's get mm -hmm. this done. Right. So instead, Addy, they're going to go ahead and confirm Amy Coney Barrett. I think we agree. There's no doubt about that on Monday, uh, which I guess McConnell thinks is uh, a bigger plus for vulnerable Republican senators than passing a stimulus package. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess that I guess that must be the calculus. Right. And, I, you know, I, I would say it seems a bit more in my mind, like the strategy might be less that it's good for Republican senators right now and more that it is good for the Republican Party for decades to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that, Bill, that I mean, th this is this has been McConnell's sort of singular focus for, you know, for years now. Um, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't care, you know, about stimulus <laughs> packages and so forth. I mean, this this is the whole reason he's put up with Trump uh, is to get people like Barrett on the Supreme Court and to also, you know, his, you know, his picks on the appeals courts. I mean, that that's where you can sort of solidify Republican policies. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he knows that. Yeah. And, and I actually, I was I, just going to say, I really think that this, that, that the, that the, 
there are going to be so many things that we look back at the Trump presidency and remember, but Trump's legacy will be the judiciary. He has reshaped the entire judiciary, and it is going to have aftershocks for decades to come. Right. I think you have to say Trump's legacy and McConnell's legacy, both. For sure. For sure. Right. Um, Just a comment from each of you um, about the Senate. What do you think the chances are uh, that Democrats are able to take back control of the Senate? Jason, how do you read it? I mean, at this point, I, I mean, if, if I was betting, I would bet that, you know, you, you'd, you'd probably get a Democratic majority. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, we, we may not um, we may have some trouble uh, counting some of the votes <laughs> for a little while. Who, who knows there? But it yeah. just when you look at, you know, the, the sort of the shape that a lot of these incumbent Republican incumbents like Martha McSally, like Cory Gardner, like Susan Collins, like Tom Tillis. Um, you know, they're, they're just, they're struggling. They're like the president, they're behind and they're not really providing a lot of reasons to vote for them. Like why things would be different, Mm -hmm. why they should turn back somebody. And, and also, you know, the, the Democrats, uh, have really good candidates. I mean, like it's a good combination of lots of Republicans on the defensive, lots of weak Republican candidates, uh, like McSally, she's a really not a very good candidate. Um, and, and then good a good Democratic class and people like John Hickenlooper and Sarah Gideon and Mark Kelly. Yeah. Are you as upbeat about that, uh, Jeff? Uh, I would put it at about a coin flip. And the reason I am a little bit bearish on the Democrats is because uh, Democrats in a few of these states are going to have to run ahead of Joe Biden. Look at a state like Montana, where Trump's probably going to win by, let's say, 10 points. Uh, Can Steve Bullock run ahead of Joe Biden by 10 points? I don't know. It seems like a tall order. I think my bet would be to, to split the difference. And I think it's probably going to come down to one, if not two runoffs in Georgia on January 5th yeah. to decide yeah. the majority. Right. And can you imagine the amount of money that's uh, going to pour into Georgia over the Christmas holidays if that's the case? John Ossoff just seems to attract millions of dollars wherever yes. wherever he turns. Uh, so, Addy, it looks like the price of soybeans might be the deciding factor. Uh, <laughs> how do you see the Senate going? You know, I, I think I, um, I think I'm a little su- somewhere between Jason and Jeff here. I'm not quite as confident as Jason, and, and maybe a little more confident than Jeff. And the reason I say that is because the map is simply friendly to Democrats this year in a way that it hasn't been, for example, in 2018. There are way more Republicans having to defend their seats. Obviously, the economy is not doing well. Trump is not polling well. And Democrats have an opportunity to really, um, to really, I think, in all these states that, that Jason mentioned, knock off some really vulnerable Republican senators. It's a different it's a different world than it was two years ago when you had so many Democrats defending their seats yeah. in states that yeah. Trump won. Oh, for sure. The map uh, does favor uh, more favorable this time around for uh, Democrats. A great, great look back here at the week and great look back at last night's debate. Uh, Thank you, Addy. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jeff. And now we always ask you to during the week with all this other stuff going on, there must have been something that said, oh, my, this is interesting. Um, this is fun or this is not so fun. Your favorite story of the week. Um, Addy, let's start with you. Sure. So, you know, 
I will, I will start by saying um, I would be remiss not to mention I am the chair of the BuzzFeed News Union, and we had a really amazing week this week. And I know this isn't necessarily um, uh-huh. a, you know, a printed story, but it is my favorite story of the week that the BuzzFeed News Union finally, after months of arguing over a basic labor protection with management, um, secured just cause um, as part of our job security proposal. And it is a huge, huge step for this union in our contract campaign and a huge, huge step for BuzzFeed. And I am so, so happy and so proud. So that is my favorite story of the week. But if you really uh, want uh, a, a printed story, uh, the <laughs> New Yorker profile of Andrew Cuomo that was headlined Andrew Cuomo, oh, King of New York, is yeah. so good. It is delicious. Yeah, I just finished it uh, last night, actually, the New Yorker. It's Eric Baumgarten, I think, right, is the uh, is the writer. Um, uh, it's it's Nick ba- uh, Nick, Nick Baumgarten. Nick Baumgarten, right. Uh, anyhow, uh, well, congratulations on the union victory. Uh, solidarity forever there, my brothers Thanks, and sisters Bill. at BuzzFeed. <laughs> uh, Jason, how about you? So on in Wednesday's Washington Post, uh, I, I still get the print uh, here here at home uh, in, in Capitol Hill. Um, I can't quit it. Um, there's this great story on page one below the fold uh, about people, you know, leaving L.A. and Chicago and so forth and moving to Bozeman, Montana. And um, it, it, it's just this like. I, I mean, it, it's it's this great sort of story of like the. It, it's a very old story i think but you know the people leaving like they're cramped uh, los angeles yeah. apartment and then buying you know a, a, a big palace and so forth and then and, and 20 get, acres or something right, yeah exactly <laughs> and and you know complete with the the strain on the on the water table and the school districts and and so forth and so on and the, the locals feeling you know uh you know uh muscled out of, of rental units and so forth and i just thought like you know i feel like i've I've read this story before and it's like, it wasn't so much that I'd read it before. Cause I have read versions of that story before uh, and anything about gentrification uh, that, that like, you know, any number of outlets have done. But th- one of my favorite movies of all time is a 1975 <laughs> movie called Rancho Deluxe. Uh, and it, it's a, uh, it's a movie starring uh, Jeff Bridges and Sam Waterston as cattle rustlers in Montana in 1970s, Montana, and, and trying to deal with all this onslaught of, of terrible people moving to Montana. <laughs> and buying up old ranches and there, there's this great scene where the trophy wife is like looking at the Galton mountains or whatever and 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 just says i miss poughkeepsie and <laughs> and i just thought like oh this is just this is like this has been happening in montana for decades it's just you know we're getting around to it you know this is the coronavirus version of the story yeah uh, but, if, uh, but if, if if y'all haven't seen it it's the, the movie's written by tom mcguane the novelist and uh it, even jimmy buffett has a cameo in it and uh, uh, I, Livingston Saturday night. Right. Uh, I read the article and I was wondering how long how long it's going to be before those people who moved to Montana say, "What the hell are we doing?" In right. <laughs> I will say Montana is the only state in the United States where at will employment is illegal, so that's kind of cool. Oh, there you oh. go. Uh, now, Jeff, your uh, first appearance here and your first favorite story of the week. And my, it's it's so stupid. <laughs> you've, you've come That's to the, the right spirit. place. That yeah. is the spirit. <laughs> come to the right place, Jeff. Yeah, I heard, haven't heard mine yet. <laughs> Phil Phil Collins's ex-wife has has barricaded herself with armed guards in his Miami mansion 
and is demanding $20 million from him before she will leave. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. That is not stupid. That is feminism at work. I, I love, is Brad Parscale involved in this? <laughs> probably somewhere. I like this story so much what is that I have put together. I may share this on Spotify. I have put together a Genesis Phil Collins divorce playlist. <laughs> Oh, on on said playlist, home by the sea, misunderstanding, throwing it all away, separate lives, take me home, both sides of the story, and something happened on the way to heaven. Oh, that's that's awesome, Jeff. That That is is classic. That really is awesome. No. Boy, nobody can top that. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. But uh, I'll just mention my favorite story of the week is, and this has happened uh, in a couple of states where these really ardent Trump supporters have gone out and spent their own money either to buy big signs or something, or in a couple of cases to buy a billboard, uh, which one um, big Trumper did up in Uniontown, Pennsylvania on Route 21. Uh, and there's a big billboard um, uh, with a picture of Joe Biden. Uh, and then the wording says, Biden's dementia is worsening. He's not fit. And the word dementia is spelled D-I-M-E-N-S-I-A. <laughs> he spent all that money <laughs> for that billboard. Uh, and uh, so my advice is, if you're going to do a Trump billboard, don't ask Donald Trump how to spell the words <laughs> on the billboard, because everybody needs an editor. <laughs> I, I've always wondered why sign makers don't employ editors, or at least tell people that their their sign is misspelled before they print the sign. <laughs> In fact, uh, great roundtable, guys. Hey, Jeff Dufer, great to have you on board. Thank you, Editor-in-Chief you of National Journal. Jason Dick, Deputy Editor of Roll Call. Thanks for coming back, Jason. Always a pleasure. And Addie, so good to have you. Addie Baird, National Political Reporter for BuzzFeed. That's it for today's roundtable. Uh, thank you to our panel, and thank you all for listening. Please, please, please subscribe to the Bill Press Podcast if you haven't already done so by wherever you're listening to this podcast just pull up the bill press pod click on subscribe uh, and relax 10 days or maybe 15 days or maybe 20 days or someday it's all going to be over in the meantime <laughs> in the meantime stay strong stay safe stay sane and come back and see us on the next edition of the bill press pod Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.